Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Listening to Scott Wetzel will give you a bad taste in your mouth. You call these bagels? It's Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. and bad beats with yours truly scott wetzel on this monday june 15th morning i am scott wetzel sitting in for the next two glorious hours taking your phone calls at 844-843-6879 again that's toll free 844-843-6879 you want to follow me on twitter send a tweet it is at opposite picks that's o-p-p-o-s-i-t-e picks p-i-c-k-s email me Go to my website, oppositepicks.com, hit the contact Scott icon, and fire away emails, tweets, phone calls right here again on Bagels and Bad Beats this Monday, June 15th, with Scott Wetzel. Well, little name does in the big names. MLB players finally get it. Divide and conquer in L.A. What's a president to do? Everybody, yes. Browns, no. Uh, Brady to Sanders, no big deal. Signing your life away at Ohio State, a big deal. He's no hack. What seems to be missing here, long gone, and $100,000 doesn't quite go as far as it used to, and our Korean baseball picks debut. We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets right here on a Bagels and Bad Beats Monday, June 15th. Again, with yours truly, Scott Wetzel. And a good weekend, hopefully, for everyone. Wasn't too bad with the yours truly. Kind of just relaxed a little bit, uh, worked around the yard, kind of did things that, you, you know, you fantasize about doing on a typical weekend. You work around the yard on Saturday, you have a little barbecue, you know, drink a little booze, sit around the fire pit, which we have in our backyard, and then uh, kind of spend the night uh, just basically getting bombed. Uh, and then, uh, you know, on Sunday, really yesterday, not, not much, not much. Watched a little golf on TV. But I'll tell you what, you know, as much as it was nice to have golf return yesterday and over the weekend, um, I, only, I watched about an hour and a half of it. It was nice. It was fun. You had some big names, a great tournament. But, you know, ultimately, it was just like I've been cooped up for the last three months. The last thing I really wanted to do on a great weekend was sit inside again on a Sunday, you know, when I had the option of going outside. So I watched about an hour and a half. You know, it was a good finish and everything. We'll get into that here in a sec. But it was a good weekend. So hopefully... Uh, this is the start of what should be a great, great summer. A lot to get to. We got baseball stuff. We got Dwight Howard in the NBA. Got a couple of football notes uh, to mention. $100,000, believe it or not, rookie basketball card was sold. Uh, all that coming up right here on Bagels and Bet on a Monday morning with your true Scott Wetzel. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. It is Bagels and Bad Beats, 
Wentz on this Monday morning with yours truly, Scott Wentz, our toll-free telephone number, 844-843-6879. Again, 844-843-6879. Send a tweet at Opposite Picks. Email me, go to my website, hit the contact shot icon, and fire away. So a little bit of sports uh, this past weekend. Uh, some good news, some bad news. We'll start with the good news, and that was live sports. Uh, with the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge out of Fort Worth, Texas. It was hotter than hot, but uh, ended up uh, coming close with Justin Rose and Jordan Speed, two of our four guys we gave you on Thursday, but uh, we came up a little bit short, so didn't provide a winner, unfortunately. Daniel Berger uh, ends up winning the Charles Schwab Challenge. Pretty good leaderboard. Uh, you had some of the bigger names drop off uh, of, of Ricky Fowler and, and Brooks Kepka, but you had Speed there, you had Rose there. It was exciting. It was good to see uh, two unknowns, or uh, I shouldn't say unknowns, but, you know, smaller guys, Daniel Berger uh, and Colin uh, Morikawa being the two that ended up going to a playoff. And, geez, you know, after having such a great tournament, and I, I didn't miss fans at all. I didn't think I would. Anyone that thought they were going to miss fans down the fairway, you know, I don't know what golf you've been watching over the years. You know, you get polite applause sometimes, but otherwise it was, you know, no big deal at all. In fact, you even had some applause because there are people there in their backyards, you know, cheering them on. And you could actually hear it with the microphone. So in the end, these two guys go to a playoff and, and Morikawa, after a great tournament, ends up missing a three-foot par putt on the first hole of a playoff. Oh, how could you do that? I mean, my goodness, I could do that blindfolded for goodness sakes. I mean, it's a three-foot lousy putt. You're, you're playing great golf. You got, you know, you hit this, and, um, you know, maybe you win it, depending on what Berger does, or we're actually here at any part. But, you know, you go to the next hole. I mean, it's a three-foot putt. Any Joe Schmo can do that blindfolded. And his poor sap misses it and hands it, just absolutely hands it to Berger, who closed with a four under 66. And Morikawa also missed a six-foot putt on the 18th hole that he could have wanted outright without having to go to a playoff as well. So think about that. Back-to-back -back holes, he misses a three-footer and basically a six-footer. And otherwise, he could have walked away the winner. Boy, that, that's the difference between winning and losing in golf. It is, it's amazing. Now, he had some great shots over the tournament, including a 50-footer on the 14th hole. But man, how do you miss a birdie putt from six feet? Okay, I suppose. But then a three-footer, oh, man, that's just, you got, you're Colin Maurer-Cowley. You're, you're sitting there this morning. Let us just listen to the bagels and bad beasts and everyone else is going to make fun of this poor guy. Oh, that has just got to be a heartbreaker. Just an absolute heartbreaker. And that is the classic, classic example of drive for show, putt for dough. You know, that, that saying, nothing could be further emphasized than what happened on this tournament. You know, that's that's the deal. You, you drive for show, looks good, but you putt for the real money, and he couldn't do it. And speaking of driving, holy crow, uh, did you see Bryson DeChambeau? That, that's what I take out of this tournament. Not that Daniel Berger won, who cares? Uh, Morikawa a little bit because he screwed up. But Bryson DeChambeau, if anything else, was the talk of the tournament. This guy looked like uh, Atlas. I, I don't know what the steroid policy is for, for PGA golfers. Just throwing it out there. You know, on a, on a night, on a day that the uh, four-letter network decided to show us, you know, McGuire and Sosa, 
Uh, and I, I don't think they've yet to address the steroid issue as we enter, you know, hour number 12 of it. But, um, you know, you, you can't help. In, in today's day and age, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the sport, no matter who it is, the white, black, American, foreigner, baseball, football, basketball, bowling, I don't care what it is. When you see a guy put on the weight that this dude has in basically four months, steroids just automatically pop in your head. Not accusing him of it, but it's just a natural reaction. It's 2020. And with all the issues we've had with Freud's over the years, I mean, this guy was not as skinny as a twig, mind you, but he certainly didn't look like this. And he just is bulked up beyond belief. So could you that is the last thing. If anyone thinks that the Shambo could be on roids and and uh, get popped. There's no way. There's no way in the world the PGA or any other sport at the. And I'm not accusing him of it, mind you. I'm just saying. But if an athlete wanted to do roids, oh, this would be the perfect time. This would be absolutely the perfect time because there is no way with all the negative publicity and all the strife and all the grief that this country is going through right now with the virus, and social unrest. Baseball players looking like babies. I mean, the absolute last thing, just last thing a sport would want right now is to suspend one of its players for using steroids. I mean, just the, you talk about burying a story. They would never allow that out. I'm sure if this guy was on roids, I'm sure they would sit him down and say, listen, take five you know, test. Let's see if it somehow, some way, you know, uh, we, we can, you know, make this so you don't fail it. You know, let's bring in Ryan Braun and get the same, uh, you know, UPS driver that he used. You know, they would come up with some excuse because that would be just the last thing they would want. So anyway, this guy hit not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. He hit a Wetzel like eight drives of 350 yards or more, eight over the weekend. I mean, this guy's basically driving the green on par fours. And I know we've been down this road with Tiger Woods and, and some of the other big hitters, but holy crow, you know, and they did a pretty good job, I thought, in the broadcast of showing, I, I do like, I tell you, golf more than any other sport, I think, has really kind of picked up its broadcast in that they show you know, the outline of the, the hole that they're playing, but then they also show the trees and the bunkers, and they were showing, see, this is when, when guys hit it to 250 to 300, this, this is where they would be aiming. But now the guys can hit it 300 to 350, you know, if it's a 45-degree angle or so, they could cut it off, and before they couldn't, you know, and that's what's helping these golfers. So they did a pretty good job, I thought, of, of showing that. And th these guys are just taking bunkers and trees and everything else out of play. I mean, just 350 yards. Listen, there's got to be a minimum. We talked about it on Thursday. This course was just way too short. You, you can't have a 7,200-yard PGA tournament course. You just can't. It's just too short. Unless you want to put bunkers, you know, you know, every 10 feet on the fairway. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, this guy in particular, eight, eight, three. Think about that. Most hackers will drive the ball between two. 225. But that's that's generally what I I can get up to 250 sometimes if you count the roll and all that other stuff, depending on the course. I can hit about 250. That that's that's my goal between two and a quarter, 250. Um, and of course, I'm not a hacker, I'm above that. <clears throat> so, uh, but this guy is driving it a hundred plus yards past 
the average hacker. I mean, that is just freaking amazing. I mean, and it's not because it's rolling 100 yards either, by the way. It, it is, you know, it is a legit 340-yard unlined drive and rolling 10. I, could, I couldn't even see it. If I could hit all that far, honestly, you know, with my eyes, uh, I, I couldn't even see the ball. I really, I have a hard time sitting with 250-yard drives. You know, people always say, you know, it's on the green or it's in the rough. rough I'm like, you know what? I have no idea. Where I, after about 150 yards in the air, I just, I, I lose it. There's a prey that it's on the fairway somewhere. Or I bump into it as I drop on my golf cart or walk up to it. <laughs> so imagine hitting it 350 yards. Oh, this is nuts. They're just, that's crazy. They're going to do something because these courses are just way, way too short for these hackers or for these guys. Oh, Burr ends up winning it. Uh, his uh, with third championship, you know, George Spieth came close out of our uh, four guys that we gave you, but uh, he had a three bogey and four hole stretch, including a two foot putt. Had nothing a three putter. If you're more a coward, this guy missed a two footer on the sixth hole, and in the end, you know, coming one shot short. You know, it's always those back hindsight twenty twenty, but jeez, that that's uh, that that's tough. So, but you know what, overall. Not a, not a bad weekend for, for golfers. I, I thought everything went well. The broadcast went well. Nothing crazy. I enjoyed the players talking. Not too many F-bombs. Uh, there were some uh, fans in the stands. So, um, you know, at least in their, their backyards anyway. So you got a little bit of atmosphere. So I, I thought, that, I don't know why golf hasn't done this early. Made it true. And, and I threw it out there before. I, I think tennis is dropping the ball completely. Well, there's just no reason in the world that if you can have golfers out there, why you can't have a tennis one going. I don't get it. All right, 844-843-6879. Are the NBA players setting it up for LeBron to win a championship? I think so. That's coming up next. I'm big with that. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Try my disgusting bagel. Now, back to bagels and bad beats with Scott Wetzel. We are on YouTube, which, you know, I, I must say, uh, glad, God bless the people on YouTube, but they don't exactly make it so easy to find a program. You have to do, I, you know, you, I figured I would just do Sports Grid, you know, live stream, Scott Wetzel, live stream. Bagels and Bad Beats, live stream, nothing works. You got you to gotta do Sports Grid Radio. Then yours truly will be popping up there live and in living color. So there, there you go. Uh, 844-843-6879. Did watch a little bit of the, uh, the Sammy Sosa-Mark McGuire thing last night. Um, listen, I, I watched about an hour and 20 minutes before I gave up. They were just, just, just touching on the Andrew Steen with McGuire. It doesn't sound like they ever really got back into it, which is just, you know, listen, you can keep your head in the sand if you want, but that's the story. You know, that's like telling half a story. After about an hour and 15 minutes, I was like, all right, I get it. They hit home runs. I understand that. First of all, the country wasn't in despair. It's not like we just alienated baseball completely. This is not like the NHL fan when the NHL went on strike. Um, you know, did it captivate America? I suppose a little bit. I'll admit that. But it wasn't the be-all, end-all. And if that's the angle, that's like saying, you know, my wife can cook. She's a great cook. 
And then forget to say that she also burnt the house down trying to cook one time. I, I mean, you can't say McGuire and Sosa how great they were and how great this chase was without really bringing up the fact they were both on roids. I mean, that, that is so blindly stupid. And that's apparently, I'll say apparently because, again, I didn't watch the last 45 minutes, but they, they had touched on it just a little bit. I'll try and catch it the, you know, later this afternoon, the final 45 minutes. I, I'd like to think that they maybe spoke with the, um, the the Maris family because I know that didn't go over well after it was revealed that these guys were on roids, especially McGuire, because he had the great relationship with the Maris family. I hope they delved into that. I hope they delved into the Roy thing. I hope they delved into the Hall of Fame. I know Sosa's all happy. He doesn't care. Um, you know, but I, you know, I'd like to see them get into that a little bit, just basically having to be a fluff piece. And that's, again, what it was for the first hour and 15 minutes. So, all right, let's go to the phones, 844-843-6879 before we get to the NBA, because I do think this is being set up for LeBron James. This was my biggest fear. I think all these guys are in cahoots to let LeBron win another championship. They love him, and I think proof is in the pudding from one of his biggest rivals, uh, basically told the world this is LeBron's season and the league. Uh, to the phones we go. John in Manhattan, who starts off every single week, week number two of Bagels and Bad Beats. Welcome, John. Welcome to Bagels and Bad Beats, brother. Hey, good morning, Scott. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing this weekend? Or how are you doing this, uh, this Monday morning? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh you know, I'm going to take a couple shots at Greg Popovich. I, I really had it with this guy. You know, he went after Trump, and he's criticizing Trump for what Trump is saying about the NFL. And obviously, he can, he's entitled to his own opinion. But, you know, Popovich really had nothing to say when the NBA, uh, you know, kowtowed to China. We all know that China, you know, is in Hong Kong and is abusing protesters. And forget what they do in China, what they're doing in Hong Kong by locking up uh, protesters and, and sp you know, spraying them with water and, and pepper spray and all this kind of stuff. Popovich has plenty, plenty to say about Donald Trump's reaction to what's happening in another sport. But when it comes to the mighty NBA and the mighty dollar, Popovich really didn't say anything against um you know, Silver, who just really took a total pass. Uh, Silver took a pass to China, and I just feel like if Popovic is going to stand up for, like, what's right, then it's it's incongruous for him to say nothing about China and how much money the NBA is making and then all of a sudden have a lot to say about Trump and the NFL. It's just bugging me. Yeah, I tell you, a couple of things, John. I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to bring this up. First off, and I've mentioned this before, the NBA is is got to be thanking its lucky stars. They don't have any real issues to deal with. You know, football has the concussion issue. Uh, baseball has the steroid issue. And, and, you know, the owners and players, you know, not agreeing ever. You know, the NBA hockey is, you know, uh, whatever. And, you know, but NBA really has gotten off scot-free. You know, they, they have labor, you know, pleasantness. You know, there, there's no bickering back and forth. They got a commissioner who's aggressive doesn't mind going into the gambling aspect of things. They don't have to deal with the national anthem. I mean, where's Popovich when, hmm, how come every single NFL team is probably now going to have players kneel and, and the NBA doesn't? You know, does that make them, what, you know, turncoats? Well, you know, why, why is that? If he's so into this cause, if he's so pro-NFL players kneeling for the national anthem, then how come he doesn't have his own players kneeling for the national anthem? And, and the other thing, John, is, Listen, no matter where you stand on this, whether it's out of the aisle, whether it's the left or the right about President Trump, 
He is the president. You know what I mean? Just, just take a step back, breathe a little bit, and really ask yourself, would you want the president of the United States, no matter who it is, to be saying it's okay to not stand for the national anthem? I, I mean, it's not Trump saying he doesn't buy into the Black Lives Movement or the whole cause. You know, that's a separate debate. But it's the president of the United States. Do you expect him to stand and say, yes, let's not stand for the national anthem. Let's burn the flag. Let's piss on the military. I mean, it's idiotic to think. I mean, it's, it's about respecting the other side's opinion. You know, I mean, you may not agree with it. You may not like it. You may think the players should, you know, kneel for the national anthem, all that other stuff. But from a distance, you have to at least appreciate, okay, it's the president. I mean, the president of the United States is not going to say, don't stand for the national anthem. He's got to take this side of, of action. So, I, I, yeah, I think the pop shots, I'm not a big Popovich fan, which is strange because I did enjoy those San Antonio teams. You know, one of my favorite players was Tony Parker, and I always rooted for those first teams, so I never had an axe to grind, John, with, with Popovich. But uh, to me, you know, he, he's been so out of line with this stuff. It's just, uh, it's not fair to me. I might have this wrong, but I think Popovich was, a, wasn't he the GM of the Spurs, and then he anointed himself the coach? I remember yeah, he, he did that in the team too. that was coming in. Say that again? Yeah, and he tanked the season, too. When uh, David Robinson got hurt, he tanked the season, fired uh, the head coach, and made sure that they finished with the worst record. This way they could draft Tim Duncan. Yeah, oh, I'd never forgive him for that. Or let him slide for that. Anyway. I'm pretty sure he put himself as head coach right before yeah, like yeah. The, one of the worst teams was coming in in the entire league, so he'd get a, you know, a, a really easy win. And before I go, uh, Popovich told the New York Times on Saturday, the U.S. flag is irrelevant. It's just a symbol that people glom onto for political reasons. Yeah. So you tell that to a serviceman or the family of a fallen serviceman who's saluting our flag or the, uh, a flag draped over a casket of, God forbid, a soldier, you know, a, a, a casket coming home. Is that just a someone's just saluting that flag because they're glomming onto that flag for political purposes? He's really he's. Let's just say I'm not sending him a Christmas card this year, Scott. I've had it with Popovic. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. You got it, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, and in the time when you could say all lives matter and be called a racist, basically, in a time where you could wear a T-shirt that says football matters, you can be called a racist, basically. You know, in a time where you could say the littlest, dopiest little thing and be labeled a racist in our country right now, this guy's. you know, you talk about just pissing on the flag. That's what Popovich is doing. Let's see if the fallout hits him. I, I kind of doubt it will. I really do. Jeff in Iowa. Jeff, welcome to uh, Bagels and Bad Beats on this Monday morning. Hey, Scott. How are you this morning? Good, Jeff. How you doing, bud? Good, thank you. You know what? You know what? I mean, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, I'm going to ask a question, but he's right what he said that you know, the first caller, I mean, just John. the last caller. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I was in the Navy for four years, right? I I mean, I saw people die, right? And they went home in a body bag, you know? And then, you know, that just, like, breaks my heart. When, you know, you, you're going to kneel because you can't, you can't respect the flag. I mean, hey, you know what? I mean, I don't like it. I mean, like NASCAR did. I don't like that flag, you know. You know, but but 
but I mean, I mean, I put my life on the line for four years, you know, and you know, if you can't respect that, then I don't respect you, either. you know. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's one of those things, Jeff. I appreciate the phone call, but it, it's just. That shows just the basic disagreement of, of what this issue has in our country. You know, they'll, you know, I say they, the protesters, <clears throat> the kneelers, they'll continue to say it's not about the flag, it's not about the anthem. And then those on the right will say, well, then stop doing it then during the anthem. Stop doing it like you're pissing on the flag. Anyway, forget about actually coming to terms on the overall issue you know, a, a Black Lives Matter, and we need to appreciate that a little bit more and whatever. We can't even, you can't even agree on the way they protest. I mean, and, and I've told you this before. I just don't understand that. You know, if you're on that side and you want to get that message across and you know the message is being lost because you're pissing off the people that you want to uh, change with not your message, but just the way it's being portrayed, why would you continue to do that? I, I just don't understand that. I, I really I really don't. If, if you say it's not about the flag and it's not about the anthem, then, then stop doing it during the national anthem then. And then maybe you get your message across. And back to the president, it is true. I mean, it, it's the president of the United States. You really expect him to sit there and say, okay, yeah, this is great, Neil, while the national anthem is going on. I mean, it's it's idiotic. He has to take that step. He's the president of the United States. You wouldn't want your leader to say it's okay to piss on the flag and piss on the anthem and piss on the military and piss on any other thing that may be portrayed with this protest. It just it doesn't make any sense. Bagels and bad beats. It's a Monday morning. Eight four four eight four three sixty eight seventy nine. Right here. I'm Bagels and bad beats. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Now, back to Bagels and Bed Beats with Scott Wetzel. Bagels and Bats on this Monday morning, 844-843-6879. That's all for your number again, 844-843-6879. Now, how about that quote? The flag is irrelevant. It's just a symbol that people glum onto for political reasons. Wow. Anybody saying that in today's day and age would be crucified. But again, that's from the left. So, you know, in, a, in an article, you know, not shockingly, with the New York Times, you know, got the paper with no actually like follow up questions like really you know the, the thing is irrelevant huh so i heard jeff there from iowa who was a military guy i don't think it's irrelevant to him uh that, that's for darn sure uh, amazing how things and what is pop he's got so many issues on his plate well why worry about this as far as the nfl is concerned you want to make a social statement okay but you know why rip you know roger goodell for supposedly kowtowing to the president then it's true what i was saying it's, he's the president of the United States, whether you buy into it or not. I mean, you really think he's going to come out and say, oh, yeah, go ahead, kneel for the national anthem. Go ahead, kneel. When, when the flag, when old glory is being flown at its proudest moment, go ahead and kneel. I, I wouldn't want a president to do that, whether I bought into him or not. I, I would not want my ultimate leader 
to say it's okay to piss on the flag, which is what they're doing. So it's just, yeah, just, just nuts. Baseball, listen, last we left you, didn't look like there was going to be any games. Here we return, you know, 48 to 72 hours later. And in reality, I suppose they made some progress by basically having the players just fold. And, and you know what? Whatever it takes, I don't care what side wins. I really don't. Either way, it's still going to cost me, you know, probably – 75 to 150 dollars for a ticket if i want to go see a ball game it's going to cost me regardless 25 to 45 literally dollars to park my stinking car it's still going to cost me 10 dollars for a coca-cola eight dollars plus for a hot dog you know five dollars for a little bag of popcorn or peanuts whenever i go to the ballpark so i really don't care what side wins but the players over the weekend uh, with their infamous leader, says basically, that's it. We give up. You tell us when and where. Now, I, I don't buy this for a second. There's got to be something behind the scenes because I don't think the owners, I don't, rather, I don't think the players are just going to give up like that. But you know what? I'll take it for what it's worth. That's the attitude they should have. You know what? Where do I begin? Where do I play? And quite frankly, I don't know why the owners got into this mess to begin with. They didn't have to. You know, the commissioner had the power once they signed that agreement to just implement any way, any system, any time, anywhere they wanted. Why the dopey player? Boy, just you talk about just dumb player management. But that said, they gave up that right, and the commissioner, Rob Manfred, had the ability to just implement any system they wanted. They tried the owners to do the right thing. They tried to get the players involved. You know, knowing full well that they held the upper hand and it obviously didn't work out. And now the bickering and all this ill will and all these bad feelings, you know, that has permeated around the country for a sport that hasn't even started this summer uh, and, and more than likely, whoa, it's just remarkable, just absolutely remarkable. And again, it's one year and they have to do a new negotiating agreement anyway after next season, after 2021. The collective CBA is, is, is up. I mean, it just, it really is just amazing to me why they would create such ill will in a year in which it's going to be half the season at best. And you're going to have to sit down at the negotiating table right after this season ends because they're not going to wait till after next year, obviously. You know, they're going to start the negotiating process right away. So why not just, yeah, whatever. Okay, let's get the senior out of the way. You want to go 50 games? You know, you want to go 75, whatever the case may be. Let's just get it done. Let's hopefully, we cross our fingers. We can even play. I mean, whatever it is, it is. And then let's really start negotiating with the new collective bargaining agreement. And I'll tell you what, if, if you take anything else out of this thing, is that if the players are willing to go this hard, this strong, this far, with half a season in which might not even be played, Think about how difficult it is for those two sides to come to terms on a new CBA that's going to last anywhere from five to ten years if it's like the NBA and the NFL. I mean, it is you, – you talk about a lockout slash strike. If FanDuel had a bet on their website or if the boys in Vegas had a bet on the – you know, in their casinos, will there be a lockout slash strike slash work stoppage, however you want to describe it, after the 2021 season? Oh, absolutely, I would say yes. Absolutely. Again, if they couldn't come to terms peacefully on half a year, maybe a third of the year, and as it turns out, you know, less than that, if they couldn't agree under a pandemic situation with the virus, under social unrest with all the crap that's going on. And the last thing you ever wanted to do was create more unrest. I mean, if they couldn't come to an agreement 
this season? How in the fudge are they ever going to come to an agreement a year from now when it's really time to sit down at the negotiating table? Good grief. I've, and again, if I were the owners, I would have just said, but there are certain rules in labor management that you can't just say, here are the rules, deal with them. You, you can't do that. But as much as I would like it to be that, I, and I, if that was my druthers, I would. If I, you know, any league that I'm in, I'm the owners, I say, here are the rules. You want to play in our sport? Great. If you don't, go overseas. There are plenty of leagues, score China, Japan, you know, Dominican Republic, wherever the case may be, go play elsewhere. Go play in the minors if you want to play, or just don't play at all. There, there you go. These are our rules. You either play by rules or you, or you don't play. You can't legally do that, but that's that's my mindset. So when I finally hear the players just say, okay, where and when, which they retweeted out their statement from uh, Tony Clark, several players retweeted the statement out saying, okay, when and where, or something pretty close to that. So there, there's got to be something brewing behind the scenes, whether they're going to file a lawsuit, which I don't think they would ever win, but you never know. Uh, but it, it, it seems too sneaky for me to think that the you know players are just giving in this easily. I, I can't help but think, okay, why? You know, uh, why all of a sudden? Because you know, peer pressure, fan pressure, is that it? It's finally kicking in. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't seem right. Maybe they know deep down the games aren't going to be being played anyway. Um, I, I, I don't know. It just seems kind of weird, doesn't it? That all of a sudden, after negotiating, and actually after the owners came back with a decent proposal, that was a drop down from their original one, and the players went up from their proposal. I mean, it seemed like last week we were actually making progress on the both sides getting closer together. So I, I don't know why all of a sudden they would just say, here, go ahead, blank check, owners, do whatever you want. But you know what? I'm not looking to gift horse in the mouth. And Tony Clark issued a statement saying it appears further dialogue with the league would be futile. And I don't quite understand that at all. But I'll tell you, I have zero. I really, I have zero sympathy for the players. Zero. If they can't acknowledge that not having 35,000 fans in a ballpark every single night is a hit on the owner's wallet, I, I don't know what to tell you. Do the owners make a lot of money? Yes. Do they have a new television contract, apparently, with TBS in the works that's going to pay them about a half a billion dollars a year? Yes. Do they have uh, a contract that pays, uh, I'm sure, something similar with the four-letter network? Yes. Fox pays them probably the same thing? Yes. So are they making a gazillion dollars? Yes. But it doesn't matter what they're making over here. Part of their budget is getting those 35,000 fans into the ballpark. Hey, don't minimize that. I mean, multiply 35,000 times we'll say the average price i bet all across you know the baseball world i bet it's around 40 to 50 bucks you know when you throw in the marlins and some of the lower teams and the pirates versus the red sox or the stankies and some of the higher teams. i i bet the average price is at least 50 bucks so you multiply 35,000 times 50 all right then you throw in another 25 to 45 hours literally to park your car as i mentioned and then you throw all the other things i bet the average family i know when i go to the game we spend i budget at least a hundred dollars at least now we go every other month or so 
or maybe even once a year if it's up in Boston Fenway Park. So maybe we spend a little bit more than the average person who goes every single day. Maybe they don't spend that much. But I, I bet, again, if you want to be conservative, you take a family of two or three to a ball game, you have to anticipate spending at least 50 to $100. You, you do. I mean, again, it's, it's $10 for a soda. You get a couple of kids and they want a hot dog. Boom, there, there's literally 40 bucks right there. Two sodas and a couple of hot dogs. So I don't know how you're getting out of not spending at least 50 bucks. But so do 35,000 times 50 for the ticket, 35,000 times 50 for the, you know, food and drinks and whatever. You know, God forbid you should buy, you know, some more memorabilia. God forbid you should buy a $10 program. I mean, that's a lot. You're talking a couple of million dollars easily, easily every single game, probably like five to six million dollars every single game. If the players can't understand that the owners aren't making that, and that's a hit onto their budget, I, like I said, I, I just, you know, to me, there, there's just no dealing with them. Um, players have come across like selfish bastards. They need a new CBF next season anyway. It's one year, and the one year is basically three months of baseball if they're lucky, and they wanted to bitch and complain. But I, I tell you, just open. Just absolutely. And the owners were going to give them this year as far as a year under their services, so maybe they would help some players, maybe hurt others, but to get the year credit for playing, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know anyone that looked into it just a little bit, and that's most of America. No one of them's really breaking down the nuances of it all, but as a general rule, I think most people are on the owner's side here. And, and you know what? I'm all for a 50 or 58 game schedule. They're saying that'll be at least 50 games. Somewhere in the 50, 55 range. I don't know how to come up with those numbers. But, um, you know, why 48 versus 50? What's the difference? I don't know how they would do the schedule. They have to do all that, right? They got to figure out the divisions, you know, which teams are going to be playing in Florida, which are going to be in Arizona. I know there was a proposal put out there not long ago um, that would set it all up. So but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But you know what? I, I think a 50 game schedule would be great. Just great. Uh, the emphasis on winning every one of those games, boy, that would be a lot of fun. It really, where we'll find out less is more in Major League Baseball. And I've always said that, you know, maybe not 50, but to me, there's no reason to have more than 125, maybe 30 games, not even 154 like they used to, about 125, 130 games. Maybe throw in a couple of extra uh, wild card teams if you wanted to expand the playoff format because of the extra time you would have. But I think that would be great. I think America would love that. And you know, and if you get some players that don't want to play, just like in the NBA, which we'll get to next hour, eh, you know what? So be it. I, I think America is so starved for sports now that if we could break down the, you know, the uh, the the golf tournament in which you know it was a great field I'll, I'll give you that but it was still you know the charles schwab challenge and we could break down the charles schwab challenge like it's the masters and the u.s open road to one then i don't care who's in a baseball uniform people will buy it absolutely and just like i think they'll buy the nba um no matter who's playing and ultimately you might not get some superstars at play including dwight howard but um, people want to watch something. Uh, they want to bet on something. They they want to more than even betting and watch. They they want to be able to root. They want to be able to you know the, the sports was is an outlet, and it gets you away from all the aggravation of your everyday life. And without that outlet, that it's hitting home with a lot of people. So uh, no matter what the circumstances, fifty games, hundred games, you know they would absolutely buy into it. So I'm all for a fifty game schedule. Let's hope that owners. You know, put forward a schedule and we could dream a little bit more about how there might 
and I mean might, be faithful. I, I kind of doubt there will be anything going on, to say the truth, but we could always agree. 844-843-6879. Wow, fast first hour. We'll close out hour number one next on a Monday morning. Bagels and that beat. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Bagel. Now, back to Bagels and Bad Beats with Scott Wetzel. Bagels and Bat Beats on this Monday morning. Yours truly, Scott Wetzel, sitting in, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Again, the toll-free telephone number, 844-843-6879. Again, 844-843-6879. You want to send a tweet, it is at Opposite Picks. You want to email me, go to the website, OppositePicks.com, hit the contact Scott icon, and fire away. Well, I tell you what, if there was ever any doubt, and I didn't think there was, but if there was ever any doubt on who the NBA wants to and who will be the face of the future of the NBA. Uh, that was, uh, you know, cleared up for sure this past week. And Daryl Ravel, uh, Darren Ravel of the uh, Action Network, uh, tweeted out that a Zion Williamson rookie card recently sold on eBay for 99800 bucks. Uh, you know, a tick shy of 100 thousand dollars why it was so much i'm not exactly sure it is signed and numbered it's just one of 99 produced uh, but you know here's a guy that hasn't even you know played a full season um you know couldn't finish out his one and only year with the dookie pukies uh now it's set in turmoil as he's being accused of uh, taking money for his family to go to duke this season, he missed a good portion of the games. Probably won't get the Rookie of the Year award because he played so few games. But clearly, I, I mean just absolutely clearly, he is the guy that the NBA no doubt wants to anoint as the next, you know, again, face of the, of the franchise, if you will. It's just 99800 bucks. Wow, that's, that is a lot of money for a rookie card. You know, in a baseball industry dominated, you know, basketball cards are basically worthless unless you have a LeBron James card, generally speaking, or maybe an old, old, old Michael Jordan. But uh, wow, how about that? 100,000 bucks clearly doesn't go as far as it used to. Bagels and bad beats on a Monday morning. God bless you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 